it's a joyful thing to gather together, eh? And worship the Lord together. And it's good for us to do it together. One of the, I've got a few words to say to you this morning, and one of the big words is going to be together, that as a community for us to be together as brothers and sisters is really, really important. So what happens here Sunday morning is it's important for all of us that God does things in our hearts, prepares us for the rest of the week, lifts us up, teaches us, builds us up, and, and uh, equips us. So I want you to know that over the last 15 months that Ruth and I have been with you, this has been a joy for us. Just so you know that, we have really been grateful to the Lord for the opportunity to be here over these times. And we've come to love you all, to know some of you better than others, but really to love you all and to see the spirit of Christ in you. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And um, so today is a happy, sad day for Ruth and me. We uh, sort of introduced this idea of happy, sad when we first came here. And we're, we're happy. Look, we're just delighted with what God is doing here. We're so happy for Julie and Nat to be here and to be able to uh, join the, the team and to continue leading forward. This is, this is obviously God's hand in a beautiful, wonderful way. And Ruth and I have just happened to be here while God has done some lovely things over the last uh, year and a bit. So, um, that, so the happy, that's the happy part. The sad is we're going to miss you while we, uh, while we leave, and we're going to come back again. I think when the, business, when the business of the church gets all finished here and the floors are clean again, and... <laughs> Uh, so it'll be nice to come in and not breathe dust, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the stirring of the Spirit has been a lovely thing. And so uh, Ruth and I have another uh, thing that we're going to. We're taking a couple of weeks off in January here. And then as of the first Sunday in February, we're going to be at a church called Wallenstein Bible Chapel, just north of Kitchener-Waterloo in the Elmira area, if you know that, um, where my good friend Ron Seabrook, was the pastor there for a number of years and saw that church really th thriving. Ron Seabrook was the guy who went with me to Kenya last summer and who passed away very suddenly of a heart attack in October. And so there they've been moving, you know, adjusting, grieving, and so on. So Ruth and I will be there as of the first Sunday in February to help them walk through their grief and we'll see what God does there as we search for another pastor to help them on the way. So uh, anyway, it's a happy, sad day for us, but we're, we're grateful for the opportunity to have been here over this last year and a bit. So I want us to look at the Bible this morning. Would that be okay with you? And this is, this is a really good book. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. This is, this is just loaded. It really is. So I, I'd like to look at Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 12, just three verses, and then consider this this morning uh, for, for all of us in this year ahead. Uh, it's helpful the first Sunday of the year, the first uh, Sunday of the decade, a new decade, is to really get our perspective right. And so I'd like us to look at this, Hebrews 12, and um, I, I guess... I, it's my last Sunday here, so I'm going to have you stand up and read this together. Come on, let's do it. This is the Word of God. We don't worship the Word of God. Have I ever said that before? 
but we love the Word of God. We worship the God who gave us the Word of God, right? We worship God, but we love the Word of God. But anyway, here's Hebrews 12, so let's read it together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord, help us as we meditate on these words today, this, your word to us. Open our hearts, open our ears, and would you speak into every one of our hearts? You, you're the only one who knows us all deeply and intimately like this. Speak to us today, Lord. Our hearts are open. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Be seated. Now, in my very serious study of the scriptures this week, what I found was that Hebrews 12 comes right after Hebrews 11. This has been a profound discovery for me. Hebrews 11 is this, the hall of faith, it's sometimes called. It's this whole list of all these people from the Old Testament who walked with God through thick and thin. And when I, when I looked at Hebrews chapter 11, and so this comes right after, Hebrews 11 is about all of these people, and not a one of them was perfect. Not a one of them. Every one of them had very serious flaws and difficulties and struggles, and many of them, when you look through here, some did huge things for God, and some of them only suffered for God. There's no record of the great things that they did. It's just that they were faithful. And so when we look at that, that the sort of the heroes of the faith from Hebrews chapter 11, we see they're just ordinary flogs, just like all of us here this morning. I don't mean to insult you. I'm just saying that, you know what? We're just a bunch of ordinary people, aren't we? God's given us gifts, but we're just, here we are. But these people love the Lord, and they kept on serving the Lord and walking with the Lord no matter what happened in their life. This is remarkable. That's why they were heroes of the faith. And that's why you're heroes of the faith as well. Because stuff happens to us in our lives that we don't choose that are sometimes very difficult. But as we keep loving the Lord Jesus and keep walking with him, we're, we're like these people, our brothers and sisters who've gone before us. And so we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses or host of witnesses um, who've sort of led the way for us. So let us throw off. There's garbage, junk, habits, stuff in our lives that actually hinders us from pursuing the Lord well. And as I look around here, I mean, you look kind of stained glass this morning. You look beautiful. You look nicely dressed. You look just almost perfect to me. Um, but there's junk in our life that we need to get rid of. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And so let's run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. How do we do this? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
And uh, so uh, I want to give you a word for this year. And my word is behold. The word is behold. Uh, I actually stole this from an author. Her name is Ruth Chow Simons. And she's written this book called Behold and Become. And her point is that what we behold is what we become. What we look at, what we spend time looking at, really paying attention to, and, and loving, and so on, this is where we move in that direction. We, to behold Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus in this year ahead means that we fix our eyes and our hearts on Jesus, that we give our affections to Jesus, that we fall deeper in love with Jesus in this year ahead. There's a trend, I don't know if you've heard of this, instead of making New Year's resolutions, which by January 7th, we've already broken anyway, right? And then you just, oh, I give up, I can't do this thing. Instead, we choose a word, a directional word for the year ahead. And my word for this 2020 is the word, behold, I want to behold Jesus more. I want to behold him more accurately. I want to behold Jesus more regularly, more intentionally, more faithfully. I want to keep my eyes on him as I charge through into this, into this year ahead to fix my eyes on Jesus and my affections and my heart upon him. Because what I found is this, that... Um, where I set my eyes is where I go. Uh, that might come up here. Where my eyes go is where I go. I don't know where you set your eyes. I think for all of us, we probably behold our phones way too much. We behold social media. We behold the perfect lives of other people on their Facebook pages, and we envy them, or we want to be like them, or we start to move in their direction. I want to behold Jesus this year and become more like him, because where my eyes go is where I go. I've learned this in kind of a tough way. When I was uh, 21 years old, just finished university, I went off to Africa, to Ghana, in West Africa, to teach high school science over there. And a couple of my buddies, uh, we bought motorcycles, and the first Christmas, we went on this motorcycle tour way up into the Sahara Desert. It was amazing. We're driving along this sand road where there are two paths where trucks and other stuff have gone before, but other than this, it's desert, right? And so I'm driving my motorcycle along. I'm having a great old time. It's beautiful. The sun is shining. And I'm trying to stay in the path, of course. And so I'm looking over here. Ah, oh, look at the mountains over here. It's incredible. And there were some villages over there. And people were going around and doing things. And I'm looking to the left. And I steer to the left. And once you get in sand, do you know what happens when you're driving a motorcycle in sand? <laughs> okay, I lost it. And I flew right over the handlebars. And I landed in this beautiful, warm, soft Sahara sand and wasn't injured at all. It was a beautiful landing, I'm sure. I didn't see it from the right side up, but <laughs> I saw it from the upside down. The point is, the direction we're looking is the direction we turn. And so when we spend our time looking at Jesus, we start to turn in his direction more. Does this make sense? 
that if I'm ignoring Jesus and paying attention to all this other junk, then I'm going to be moving in that direction. But when I behold Jesus, as we behold him, we turn in his direction, and it's always with the help of others. And we behold him more, and we become like him. But it's always with the help of others. Every verb, every noun in this passage is plural. Did you notice that? This is not written for individual application. It's written for corporate application, that we see ourselves as belonging to one another. Forest View Church, brothers and sisters together in the family of God, that we're meant to encourage one another in this direction, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and to help one another keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to behold him. Long looks, repeated looks at what is most worthy in the universe, and that's the person of Jesus. Now, why Jesus? Because he's the savior of the world. He's the one who came here, God in the flesh, who came here to live this perfect life, to speak to us such wisdom as we've been looking at over the last, last few weeks, eh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Just, he's brilliant. He's loaded with wisdom about how to live life. And he's the one that we need to keep our eyes fixed on. Rather than fix our eyes on Nat, he's not going to be your hero. Jesus is your hero. Rather than fixing our eyes on the leadership team or the staff or something, they're not our heroes, or on one another. Jesus is our hero. So we keep our eyes fixed on him, and we love and encourage one another to keep moving forward with the Lord. As we behold Jesus, we turn in his direction with the help of others. As we give our attention and our love and our hearts to Jesus, we fall in love with him more and more, and we begin to become like him more and more. Well, this is my goal for 2020, to behold. My word is behold. And you can choose it if you like, but I pray that for Forest View Church, as you see Jesus more and more and more, that all of us will be turning in his direction more and more and more and becoming more like him. I think that's why we're... What's the motto here again? Um, to be a... Help me. A community where people meet Jesus and... Oh, look at that. There it is. We exist to be a community where people meet Jesus and become more like him. We, we behold him, and we become more like him, and that's, that's beautiful. Together, we help each other to love better, to love God, to love one another, and to love all that God has created. So how are we going to do this? Well, I have three suggestions, and then, then I'm done. Here, first of all, daily reminders. Help me see you today. Okay, so we roll out of bed and we land on our knees and we pray, Lord, today I want to see you. Help me walk through this day with my eyes wide open to where you're at work. I want to be in the scriptures, but I want to see you today. Daily reminders, help me see you today. Somebody said that they actually write their word on a wall. They get a little plaque and they write it on the wall. Behold, or whatever your word is for the year. The second thing is this, 
to marinate in Jesus. Now, that's a phrase that came out of that book that we had, Surprised the World. And um, the idea of marinating, soaking in Jesus. So in all of our Bible reading, let's include the Gospels regularly, seeing Jesus, listening to what he has to say, watching how he handles people and conflict and everything else. Marinate in Jesus. Include the Gospel in your readings this year. And thirdly, is to read about Jesus. So I was just thinking some of the books that I've loved, like Philip Yancey, The Jesus I Never Knew. Is that, is that the title? The Jesus I Never Knew. Just discoveries about Jesus. Uh, N.T. Wright, The Challenge of Jesus. Kenneth Bailey, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Read about Jesus. Learn more and more what other people have discovered about him. Three helpful hints about how to really keep our eyes focused on Jesus this year. That's my challenge to you, Force View, and um, I'd like to pray for us just now. Heavenly Father, great God of the entire universe, maker of all things, of galaxy upon galaxy, all things, Lord, and even this little bluish-green planet with us little human beings on this tiny planet, you love us, you see us, you know us, and you call us to know you and to love you back and to live for you. Help us, Lord, we pray, to, uh, with these people who've gone before us, to throw off the things that hold us back and the sins that hinder us along the way and to keep our eyes fixed on you this year so that we turn in your direction over and over and over and that we would be brothers and sisters of one another helping each other turn in your direction. And when we see somebody turning in the other direction, away from you, Lord, that we'd be able to come alongside them and encourage them to turn in your direction once again because yours is the way of life. Yours is the way of joy, that your joy may be in us and your joy may make our joy complete. Thank you for praying this for us, Lord Jesus. We long for the life that you have for us, everyone, individually, but as a group of people here at Forest View Church. Bless these brothers and sisters, I pray. I thank you for each one in Jesus' Precious and powerful name, we pray. Amen. Now, now is the time for our commissioning of Nat. And Nat uh, and Julie, if you'd come up here, please. Are you okay with this, Julie? Okay. And I'd like the elders to come up, uh, the leadership team, too, if you would, please, at this time. And we want to commission this beautiful couple to their new role at the church here. Now, we're commissioning you, but you know, your beautiful wife is just by your side there. She's your powerhouse, like my powerhouse over here. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what, brothers and sisters here, um, as we come to this time of commissioning this morning, we remind ourselves, all of us here, that as the family of God, in the body of Christ, every one of us is commissioned 
to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us is a minister. We represent Jesus Christ everywhere we go. And according to the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you, um, we are each one called to serve and to take up our place in the life of God at Forest View Church here, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to love him with everything that we've got, and to serve him, both in the church and out in the community, in the workplace, in our home and neighborhoods and so on. So my first question is to all of you on this commissioning service now. Do you reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and do you reaffirm your calling as God's people to worship him, to love the Lord, and to serve the Lord with your whole life? Do you reaffirm this calling for you? Yes. Thank you. Then Nat, the church, the people of God at Forest View, carry the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lord of the universe, and taking the leadership in Jesus' church like this is a solemn and weighty thing. Um, so let's hear the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, unto Jesus. It's not, it's not your authority, you, but you're, you're working for the biggest. <laughs> He's the greatest. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto Jesus. And so he says, go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And make sure of this. Look, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Christ, Jesus Christ, the risen Jesus Christ is with you as you take this on. Now you're commissioned at Forest View Church to make more and better disciples of Jesus. Lives transformed through the living Lord Jesus Christ to encourage women and men to meet Jesus and actually become more like him and to passionately love God and share his love with others. Let's hear what God says in Ephesians 4. He says that he has given gifted individuals to the church to prepare God's people for works of service and um, so that the church can be built up. And Nat and Julie, you are such gifts to this body of believers. And we receive you as a gift of God to this congregation. You will need special grace from God to serve in this way, to replenish you with the truths of Jesus Christ in Scripture, to clothe you with integrity and purity of life, not perfection, to minister like Jesus did in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you a couple of questions on that. Do you reaffirm, reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ and your loyalty to him as the Savior and Lord of your life? And will you strive in all your life and ministry to be a fully, devo fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, loving him and sharing his love with others? I will. 
And do you affirm your determination to study the scriptures, to cultivate your walk with God, to be gracious, kind, patient, and truthful in your work with all of these people, to work for unity among all Christians, and to use your gifts diligently as you walk with the Lord and encourage other people to meet Jesus and become more like him. I do. Yes. So, friends, I want to ask you, will you pray for Nat and Julie as they take up their new role here? Will you pray for them diligently, faithfully, regularly? And even check in with them every now and again and say, how can I pray for you? Will you take this on? Yes. Amen. So, uh, Nat and Julie, we welcome you and commission you as ministers of the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I'd like to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask uh, Elizabeth and Kevin to pray for you as well. I wonder if we could just lay our hands on this couple, okay? God, you're the giver of all good gifts, and we thank you for the gift of Nat and Julie and their family here to Forest View. You... Um, would you give them grace as they fulfill their ministry here at Forest View? We pray that you will show your presence and your power, Lord, in their private life and in their public ministry. We pray for Nat that you will replenish him and fill him with the great truths of your trustworthy word and that you will clothe him with integrity and purity of life and heart, and like Jesus, that he will minister in the power of your Holy Spirit. May the love of God the Father be revealed in his life and his leadership, this love. May the light of Jesus Christ shine in his conduct and his teaching and his disciple-making. And may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be evident in every relationship. Be to him a strong tower of protection and confidence, we pray. And may Nat and Julie and Beckett and Alea find themselves a warm and beautiful part of the family here at Forest View. We give them to your, to your loving care and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear God, thank you for Nat and Julie. Uh, thank you that you brought them here to us, and thank you for their hearts of service and uh, their hearts that are oriented towards you and also towards us. And God, we pray, especially over the next few months, um, we pray that you will give them good health so that they will have lots of energy and clear heads as they get to know us and get to know um, how Forest View works. Um, we pray um, we pray for Nat that you will be um, his light and um, his encouragement. Uh, we pray that even though there's lots to be done, that, um, that you will guide him along the way. Um, give him eyes to see things. Um, give him a discerning spirit. God, we just pray that your spirit will comfort, encourage, convict, all those things that we know your spirit does. Um, 
So we pray these things in your name. Amen. Pray with me from your hearts for us through. Father, we, your people, are thankful we can look back to many years of answered prayers and see your faithfulness. We're so thankful that during this past year of transition, you brought Doug and Ruth to us. They have demonstrated to us with words and actions what your gospel is all about. We will be forever grateful to them and to you for their investment in our community of faith. And Father, very recently when we were looking for a lead pastor to minister with us in this place, you made it abundantly clear to all that Nat was the one you had for us. And we're so thankful that Nat and Julie were also led by you to be a part of this church community, and now they are here with us. As we now start a new season of ministry with Nat, we earnestly seek your blessing and presence among us. Father, may Nat have a deep sense of your guiding Holy Spirit as he teaches truths from your word and leads with a servant's heart. We ask that you will give him godly wisdom as he instructs new people, as he interacts with a new environment, and he looks for new ministry opportunities. Father, encourage him as he encourages us, and make it clear to him he is serving exactly where you want him to be. And Lord, as we serve you together with Nat, we go confidently into a future that is filled with hope and promise because we know that you are, not, you are in all of this. We commit to you, Nat and Dooley. Hold them close. Make your deep love known to them in many ways. And along with all of us, may we share the good news of our Savior Jesus in our community so that many people will come to know him and follow him. We ask these things with great expectation in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Doug asked me to share a few words as a response. Um, he said, don't go more than 10 minutes. I don't see any clocks, so <laughs> apologies up front. Actually, it's been, it's been an amazing journey for us as a family in conversations with the leadership at Forest View and just this deep sense of God just bringing alignment between this community and our family and the conversations my wife and I, we've been having about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? And just things that you as a community were talking about and wrestling with were things that we're talking about and wrestling with. And so it's just been this amazing ex experience. And, uh, and even just reaffirmed, even as, as Doug got up and was sharing some of those things, I realized some of the, the words that I'd prepped, uh, actually just, again, that alignment, uh, where, where my heart, where our heart is. And uh, I'm just so excited for this morning. I'm so excited for this season uh, moving forward. And uh, Doug and Ruth, you guys are just amazing and so thankful for both of you. Uh, one of my favorite authors 
is a, a man named Leslie Newbegin, and he was a missionary and a theologian. He has a quote that keeps me up at night I want to read with you, I want to share with you this morning. He says this, We, the church, must live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the only answer. I'll read that one more time. We, the church, must live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the only answer. Another way we might word that is that Christians, followers of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, should live lives that are so different and so distinct from the world around them. And the only answer, the only reason for why they're different is Jesus, because of who he is and what Jesus has done. And yet one of the struggles that I find myself coming up against day after day in the nitty-gritty grind of life is that when I look at my life and I look at the lives of my non-Christian friends and family, a lot of the time my life looks pretty much identical to them. Now, if you were to get me to scribe down all of my beliefs and convictions, that, that piece of paper might look a little bit different, but ultimately in the day-in, day-out life, it looks exactly the same. The, the things that I worry about, the things that I care about, the, the things that I give my time, my energy, my money towards, the things that I love, there really isn't anything different. And this is something that frightens me. Doug shared from Ephesians chapter 4, and I just want to read this verse again because it's one that I just, it resonates and it challenges me in so many ways. It says this, so Christ, verse 11, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, so kind of all of the different roles that we often look at in the church. He says, to equip his people, some translations say his saints, for works of service. And sometimes the word that's used there is the word ministry, to equip the saints for ministry. I've been working in churches for the past 10 years, and so often I will have conversations where people will come up to me, sometimes young people, sometimes older people, and they'll come up and they'll say, I feel like God is calling me to ministry. And what they mean by that is they mean God is calling me to go in and work at a church or maybe work at a nonprofit or maybe become a missionary. And there's a part of me that goes, that's awesome and great and so exciting. But, but God calls all of us to ministry. It is not just simply a job that's meant for the people who work in a church or get a paycheck uh, from a nonprofit. It, it is so much more than that. all of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are an apprentice to Jesus, you are called to ministry regardless of where your paycheck comes from. All of us are invited wherever it is we find ourselves, our job, our places where we go to have fun, the different networks and friendships and relationships that we have, all of us are called to ministry, to go and to be the presence of Jesus there in that place, to reflect his love, his desires, what he cares about and what infuriates him. We are to be a sign of who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. That is not something the job of the staff or a leadership team. It is a calling on every single person who is a follower of Jesus. 
And when we do that, when we go into our workplace, into our family, into our hockey team, or into our classroom, or wherever it is we find ourselves, as we more and more surrender ourselves over to Jesus, and we're becoming more like him, God does amazing things, and interesting questions are provoked. I want to share from you a brief excerpt from a book by a writer named Sky Jathani, and it's a book called Futureville, but he writes this, and I think it is a powerful example of what the church should be in our world. He writes this, On May 28, 1992, the principal cellist in the Sarajevo opera, a man named Vedran Samilovich, dressed in his formal black tails and sat down on a fire-scorched chair in a bomb crater to play Albinoni's Adagio in G minor. The site was outside a bakery in Smilovich's neighborhood where 22 people waiting in line for bread had been killed the previous day. During the siege of Sarajevo from 1992 to 1995, more than 10,000 people were killed. The citizens lived in constant fear of shelling and snipers while struggling each day to find food and water. Smilovich lived near one of the few working bakeries where a long line of people had gathered when a shell exploded. He rushed to the scene and was overcome with grief at the carnage. For the next 22 days, one for each victim of the bombing, he decided to challenge the ugliness of war with his only weapon, beauty. Known as the cellist of Sarajevo, Smilovich, not only performed outside the bakery, but continued to unleash the beauty of his music in graveyards, at funerals, in the rubble of buildings, and in the sniper-infested streets. I never stopped playing music throughout the siege, he said. My weapon was my cello. Although completely vulnerable, Smilovich was never shot. It was as if the beauty of his presence repelled the violence of war. His music created an oasis amid the horror. It offered hope to the people of Sarajevo and a vision of beauty to the soldiers who were destroying the city. A reporter asked him if he was crazy for playing in a war zone, and Smilovich simply replied with this, why do you not ask if they are crazing for shelling Sarajevo? As followers of Jesus, as apprentices to Jesus, we are called to enter into the brokenness of our world and to be a presence, to be a testament to the reign of Jesus, even in the most broken and hurting places, and continuously to challenge the status quo and assumptions about the way the world is. And I know in order to do this, I need community. Recently, I was listening to a friend who has, uh, he's been a part of some very big show, churches, churches that are known for kind of a big show and presentation. And he used this term. He said, I'm not really about that show and spectacle anymore. Uh, I've graduated from that. And I can appreciate his sentiment. Uh, but, but I've got to be honest, I don't feel like I've graduated from that. I've just realized I'm broken, and I need other Christians to help me become more like Jesus. Because becoming like Jesus never happens in a vacuum or in isolation. 
It almost always happens in community as we share our lives together. I've discovered that I need the church. I've discovered that I need the church because I am a coward most of the time. I let fear, I let what other people think of me, I let my desire to be comfortable and to feel secure make me make so many different compromises to my core convictions. And I need a community to remind me what it really means to walk in faith. I need the church because I am addicted to spectacle and silly entertainment. And I give so much time and energy to things that don't really matter. And I need a community to help me take order of my life and tell me, hey, this is a waste of time. Jesus has so much more for you. I need the church because so often I am full of pride and indifference. And when I see the hurting in our world, not just far away, but close up, and I can so easily just focus on myself. And I need a community to call me out of that and to model for me and challenge me and call me to living out the radical, self-giving, self-emptying love of Jesus that places others first. And I need the church to teach me how to celebrate and what to celebrate because God is good and he is at work in this world and we need to hear those stories. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus, the image he uses again and again to talk about the kingdom of God is a party, it's a celebration. And so often I can allow cynicism and despair to creep in and try and take away the incredible life that Jesus has invited us into. I need the church because left to my own devices, I'm going to be selfish. And I need him to teach me and I need the community to shape me so I become more loving and more self-giving and look more like Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that as we do that together, we discover our need for one another, that we would live lives that are beautiful testaments in a broken, crumbling world to the reign of God. And that people would see us and they would see a difference. And when they would come and they would ask you and go, why are you doing this? Are you crazy? And our only answer could be, we cannot imagine living in this world any other way. We're going to transition to a time of communion. And so my invitation to you, uh, you, you are welcome to partake in this. If you are a person who is a part of this ministry that God calls all of us into. And I want to invite you to take some time just to be quiet. And open, your, open up your heart to God, invite him in. Take some time to think and reflect. And as that's happening, our, our ushers will come and they will distribute the bread and the cup and, and take from that, receive that, and, uh, and eat 
when you are ready. I'm going to pray um, once that's all done, and then our band is going to come back up and continue to lead us in worship. So let's take some time to quietly reflect.